Hello, and welcome to the Shipwreck Archive. Thank you. We're looking for the misnamed Invincible. Here we are. Enjoy! The crew of the Invincible made the only choice that was left to them. As the cannons of the two much larger Mexican warships swung about to continue the attack on their now beached ship, the crew of the Invincible jumped ship and ran for the woods. The crews of the Mexican ships did not chase after them. They were too close to Galveston and they had done what they had set out to do. The Invincible would no longer be able to play a role in the war between Texas and Mexico. For the Invincible, trying to make Galveston Harbor at night with a vessel with as deep a draft as they had, had been a gamble from the start. She had fought hard for a time against both of the Mexican warships rather than risk the harbor entrance. Attempting to retreat into the harbor had been a desperate last chance at survival. Running into the sandbar was the only result of their effort, but at least it had given the sailors a chance to retreat to safety. What was worse was that the Brutus, the other remaining ship of the Texas Navy, had attempted to come to their rescue. The smaller ship had been in safety in Galveston Harbor, but when the Brutus had seen the Invincible struggling to hold her own against the two ships at the same time, she had attempted to come to their aid. Running aground inside of the harbor had been her only reward. With both ships firmly aground and clearly unable to fight any longer, it could be said that the first navy of the independent republic of Texas was officially destroyed. It would be several weeks before a large enough storm would come to break the Brutus into pieces and finish her where she still rested inside of the harbor, but she would never patrol the waters around Texas again. Texas had officially declared its independence from Mexico in March of 1836, but there had always been skirmishes with Mexican forces before that. It was not alone. Civil war was plaguing Mexico in the wake of severe political change and uncertainty. The Republic of Rio Grande and the Republic of Yucatan were formed as well, while revolts across Mexico in places like Yucatan and Nuevo León also showed the lack of unity of Mexico as a whole under Santa Ana. No matter its troubles, however, Mexico was not willing to lose Texas without a fight. Mexican forces began to make their way to Texas, including the Mexican steam-powered warship the Montezuma. The blockading of Texas's ports threatened to end the independence of Mexico before it fully began, preventing the newly independent nation from getting access to supplies. With the war taking to the sea as well as land, it soon became clear to the new Texas government that they were going to need to address the problem of how to fight at sea. The first choice was to allow for privateers and to issue letters of mark but it quickly became clear that privateers were controversial and hard to control. There was also none of them who could match with the Montezuma, and so a navy was commissioned. As to be expected with a navy acquired on such short notice, none of the ships were built as warships. Instead, they were whatever could be purchased from the ports of the United States. The largest ship, bought specially to counter the Montezuma, was the Invincible. She was originally a Baltimore for the African slave trade, before being bought by the Young Republic of Texas. At 125 tons, the ship was quickly considered the flagship of the new navy due to her good condition and speed. She was clipper-built, carrying two 18-pound swivel guns, two 9-pound guns, and four 6-pound guns. 
Though she had been purchased by the government money of the Republic of Texas, she had been fitted out with private money, including a good deal of private funding by General Thomas Green. The other three ships were considered slow ships, and they were more poorly armed as a result. One of the slower ships, the Brutus, almost did not make it to Texas. She was nearly seized by the United States government where she was being outfitted in New Orleans on the grounds because local merchants felt that outfitting her with cannons and munitions on American soil would damage their trade relationship with Mexico. The American government was inclined to agree that this did damage their appearance of neutrality, and they almost did not allow the Brutus to sail. Once the small navy was in the waters around Texas, they began the business of disrupting the trade and supplies going to Mexico. For the Invincible, this included capturing the Pocket, an American ship, near the mouth of the Rio Grande. While it was clear that the ship was working directly under the commission of the Mexican government, her capture did not amuse the American government. And when the Invincible sailed into New Orleans a few weeks later, the captain and crew were arrested on charges of piracy. Though Texas was able to prove that the pocket had been a fair capture and the Invincible was released, it had still been a close call. The cargo of the pocket proved to be valuable military supplies that were immediately put into use by Texas, and the pocket joined the New Republic's navy. In April of 1836, the Invincible was also able to fulfill its duty in another way. It encountered the Montezuma near the mouth of the Rio Grande and engaged it in battle. The two ships fired broadsides at one another before the Montezuma ran aground on a sandbar. Her crew were able to swim to shore, but the stricken ship was entirely at the mercy of the Invincible. The Invincible did not stop firing until the steamship was past all repair. Though a short engagement, it did give the Montezuma the honor of being one of the first steam vessels to ever engage in a sea battle. A wreck that is believed to be the Montezuma became visible in 1999 due to Hurricane Brett and is still able to be seen on the beach at Boca Chica Beach. The actions of the Texas Navy were not without a cost, though, and soon the ships were in need of repairs that the young republic was not able to provide. Texas had very little infrastructure to speak of including a lack of boatyards they could use to restore their ships to fighting order. Once more, the Texas Navy was sent to the United States to get repairs done. The problem was that the Republic of Texas did not have the money to fund such repairs, certainly not on three ships at the same time. The Liberty was seized due to an inability to pay for repairs and sold, while the Invincible and the Brutus only managed to escape the same fate due to Samuel Swartout an ally of Aaron Burr, stepping in and paying what was owed on their bills. The Invincible and the Brutus were allowed to return to their patrol around the coast of Texas, and they went on to capture more small Mexican vessels, adding to the cruise prizes. Of more note, they also captured the Eliza Russell, which was a British merchantman. This was considered a semi-piratical act by many, and it did not add to the international goodwill towards the independent Republic of Texas. Having scuttled, burned, or captured almost every ship they met with, the two ships made their way back to Galveston Harbor. The Invincible would never make it, and the Brutus would never leave it. The Ibertide and the Libertador had been blockading and patrolling around Galveston, a major harbor for the New Republic, 
when they saw the Brutus enter the harbor, but the larger invincible wait outside for the tide to go in, the two Mexican brigs did not miss their chance. They both rushed to the attack, and though the invincible did her best to defend herself, she did not stand a chance against the two larger ships with more guns and more crewmen. Once she was aground, she was exposed to the waves outside the harbor and was soon pounded to pieces. With both her and the Brutus grounded, the first navy of the Texas Republic was no more. She would be followed by a larger second navy that would continue to fight until May of 1843, when the United States and Great Britain had helped the Republic of Texas to secure truce with Mexico. The constant fighting had been bad for the commerce of both nations, and the United States had people who wanted to take Texas for themselves. It would be more difficult if Texas returned to Mexico before this could happen. In 1845, Texas joined the United States, leading to the Mexican-American War. As to be expected with a ship with as much history as the Invincible, there has been a lot of interest in finding her wreckage, as well as the wreckage of other ships of the Independent Republic of Texas Navy. So far, the Invincible has proven elusive. While it is known the general area in which she wrecked, the nature of her wreck and the fact that she was pounded to pieces makes it more difficult to find any pieces of her. One of the cannons of the Brutus was found during a project in Galveston Harbor, and it now rests in a museum for everyone to see. For more information about the ships that served the Republic of Texas, please see The Navy of the Republic of Texas by Alex Deanst published in the Quarterly of the Texas State Historical Association in 1909, or see our other sources in the description. Thank you for listening. Thank you for visiting the Shipwreck Archives. See you soon.